Hi, everybody. This is Stefan Molyneux from Freedom Main Radio. Very happy to have Roger Stone. Now, if you haven't heard of Mr. Stone, uh, please crawl out from under the rock and consume some media. He's a well-known political operative, a veteran of nine, count him, nine national presidential campaigns and has served as a senior campaign aide to three Republican presidents. He is author of the New York Times bestseller, The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ, as well as, uh, I just finished, which you've really got to read, The Clinton's War on Women. And Jeb and the crime and the Bush crime family, the inside story of an American dynasty. Please, please go get his books, get his information at rogerstone.com and stonezone.com. We will put all of the links below. Roger, thank you so much for taking the time today. Delighted to be here. So having finished um, your, um, your book on uh, the Clintons, uh, the Clintons' war on women, how is it conceivably humanly possible to lose an election against Hillary Clinton, particularly when she brings up hostility towards? How is this even remote? This is like losing a height contest to Mickey Rooney. Well, uh, it's actually not if we can find a candidate willing to use the research. I mean, look, I think it's important to note that back in the 80s, uh, in the pre-internet age, it was much easier to suppress information. It was much easier to threaten and intimidate Bill Clinton's various uh, sexual assault victims uh, from either testifying against him or from going public. Um, Today, of course, suppressing information is much more difficult thanks to the invention of the Internet uh, and the implosion of talk radio, uh, particularly. uh, And therefore, the facts will come out. The women who have been uh, intimidated and bullied by Hillary after being assaulted or raped or bitten by Bill um, will go public. They will not be silenced, not this time. Now, I had dinner last night with a reporter from Iowa uh, who told me that in her newsroom, she confronted Hillary Clinton uh, over Clinton's claim that the uh, women who are the victims of sexual assault on the campuses today deserve to be believed. So she asked her point blank, what about the women who have made allegations against your husband? Do you have any empathy for them? Do they also deserve to be believed? Hillary literally turned on her heel and stormed out of the newsroom. She has no intention of ever answering this question. When she was confronted by a voter, not a reporter, I might add, but a voter in a town hall in New Hampshire, and asked about the women who've been uh, assaulted by her husband and was asked, do they deserve to be believed? She said, well, uh, they deserve to be believed until evidence surfaces that indicates they shouldn't be believed. Now, in a press format, you'd have a follow-up question to say, what evidence is that? Because there is none. There is not an iota of evidence that any of the women who have claimed to be viciously, brutally assaulted, bitten, overpowered, uh, or or have uh, or or uh, sexually uh, assaulted or raped, that any of them are bearing false witness. There's no evidence that they were paid. There's no evidence that they are lying. And what's most interesting, Stefan, is that I've interviewed 24 victims of Bill Clinton. In many cases, these women have never met each other, have never communicated with each other, but they all tell an identical story about Bill's M.O., how his face turns beet red, how the veins on the side of his head stick out. 
they all describe his man parts exactly the same. So there's no indication uh, that they're lying. And I think Hillary Clinton must be confronted with this information and can no longer hide behind this canard that she is an advocate for women and girls. Well, and for those prejudged netizens in my audience who um, are too young to think that, that Bill C., the alleged rapist, is anyone other than Bill Cosby, it started, uh, as far as I understand it, and, and as your book talks about, uh, when he went to Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar, which, you know, normally is kind of a feather in your cap and a medal of, I'm a Rhodes Scholar, but people don't know the outcome of what happened and why. Yes, of course, he never received uh, the Rhodes Scholar uh, degree from Oxford. Now, 99% of those uh, who begin the program finish it. The 1% who don't finish die. No one walks away from the Rhodes Scholar program. Uh, the truth is Bill Clinton was booted out of Oxford because he raped 19-year-old Eileen Wellstone. Uh, this is reflected in both the State Department records and the records at Oxford. The matter was covered up by U.S. Senator William Fulbright of Arkansas, who is the man who arranged for Bill Clinton to get his scholarship to begin with. Clinton says in his official biography that he left Oxford because he was accepted at Yale Law School. The problem with that is there's a one-year interregnum between those two events, a year in which Bill Clinton spent working for the Central Intelligence Agency, spying on the anti-Vietnam War groups in Europe uh, who were having big rallies that summer. So uh, Clinton's uh, uh, tale of rape, is, or I should say his trail of rape, as best as we can tell, uh, begins uh, at Oxford. Now, of course, people argue... I think falsely, and I think you do as well, that we should judge Bill Clinton in one isolated bucket and then look at Hillary Clinton in another. But I think as, as people, uh, including yourself, have argued, she could be viewed as an accessory after the fact due to her uh, intimidation, hiring of investigators and so on to pursue and, and harass uh, the women uh, who have uh, accused Bill Clinton of, of rape or sexual assault. Yeah, I reject this idea that that Bill's uh, sexual uh, history is not relevant. Uh, first of all, let me be, be, be very clear. I'm not talking about marital infidelity or adultery or girlfriends or mistresses or consensual sex. I myself am a libertine. That's not what I'm criticizing Bill for. But when you physically overpower women, when you bite their upper lip as he's bitten at least four of his victims, according to NBC News, according to the Washington Post, and according to my own research, uh, when, you, uh, when you expose yourself to women and, and demand oral sex, um, those are crimes. That's not consensual sex. That's abuse. Uh, and that's what I'm charging Bill Clinton with. And that's what brave women like Juanita Broderick and Kathleen Willey uh, and Paula Jones and Christy Zercher uh, and uh, Liz Ward Grayson uh, before she uh, got an IRS audit uh, and she was ultimately bought off with a bit part in a television series arranged by a Hollywood buddy of Bill's. Um, that was her tale. Now she says, well, it wasn't rape. It was consensual. It was just violent and unpleasant. And yes, he bit my upper lip. He almost bit it through. Doesn't sound like a very consensual relationship to me. Uh, yeah, so uh, it is entirely relevant. And here's why. 
Hillary, in some cases, has personally confronted these women, as in the case of Juanita Broderick. We didn't know this until several months ago. In an epic interview with Aaron Klein, uh, which was written in, in Breitbart, we now know that Hillary Clinton accosted her at a public event and sought to intimidate her into silence uh, over Bill's uh, assault and rape of her uh, in a Arkansas hotel room. In other cases, uh, we know that it is Hillary who has retained the heavy-handed private detectives, uh, Jack Palladino, Anthony Pelicano, Ivan Duda, the real scumbag, Terry Lenzner, uh, to dig up information on Bill's victims so that they can be discredited or to physically intimidate them, as they did with Kathleen Willey. Um, her children were threatened. Her car tires were slashed. Her home was repeatedly broken into and ransacked. Her pet cat, uh, Thunderbolt, was killed and left on her front doorstep. Her other cat just disappeared. And a strange man tried to pick up her dog at the kennel, claiming to be a friend of hers. A man actually walked up to her uh, in public and said, you're in danger. Your life's in danger. By the way, how's your cat? How are your children? saw them get out of school the other day. So uh, these are the kind of, of terror tactics, thug-like tactics that the Clintons are prepared to use in their scramble for power and wealth. And what is uh, shocking as well, uh, and all of it, A, and B, the fact that uh, I grew up, of course, uh, with the uh, Nixon scandal, where Nixon, one of the reasons that the Democrats apparently were all up in arms about Nixon was he had even thought about using the IRS to audit his enemies. And as you point out, in the 90s, you have four Clinton victims received IRS audits. A bit of a coincidence, uh, to put it mildly. And yet they, and not even counting the lowest learner stuff that's more recent, but of course, when Republicans even think about using the IRS as a political weapon, it's an impeachable offense. But when the Democrats actually seem to, uh, it just skates by unnoticed. Yeah, extraordinarily, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton makes Richard Nixon look like St. Thomas Aquinas. Uh, if Nixon were alive today, he would be uh, incredulous because Bill Clinton used the FBI to try to short circuit the investigation into Travelgate, precisely the crime named in the articles of impeachment against Nixon. Nixon instructed his chief of staff, Bob Haldeman, to get the IRS to look into certain political opponents. Unfortunately, that never actually happened, uh, whereas the Clintons have like Franklin Roosevelt, actually used the IRS to harass their enemies. So there's a different standard for the Clintons, but I think it's the end of the road. The lies must end. The criminality must be exposed. Uh, and I think this will happen if the Republicans have the intelligence to nominate a candidate for whom no holds will be barred. Hillary must be confronted with her lies, her crimes uh, and her repeated obfuscation from everything from Benghazi, where uh, she she knew within minutes of the attack uh, that we've been attacked by uh, a faction aligned with Al Qaeda. And then her uh, top hatchet man, Sidney Blumenthal, a man who is so vile that even Barack Obama wouldn't let him serve in the administration. So he was on the payroll of the Clinton Foundation. Why a charitable organization would need a political hitman is an interesting question. But 
it, it was Sidney Blumenthal who invented this bogus claim that the attack on our mission in Benghazi was caused by uh, the one-time showing of an anti-Islamic video in Turkey. Hillary Clinton was told at the highest levels of our intelligence system that that was not true, yet she repeated that lie to the parents of four dead and valiant Americans. Yes, she must be held to account for that. Why is it that the Republicans seem to have this sort of old-world, white-suited approach to politics. I mean, uh, as far as I understand it, the elder George Bush, George H.W. Bush, knew about, uh, of course, Clinton's um, alleged drug use, uh, uh, infidelity, um, sexual assaults, and also uh, the allegation that he has fathered an illegitimate uh, child before the election cycle where he was up against Clinton but decided against using it. Now, I don't know if a former director of the CIA is one I would put in, you know, the category of high scruples. Why is it that they don't seem to want to pull the pins off these grenades? Well, first of all, I would point out that George H.W. Bush and Bill Clinton uh, share a CIA background. Uh, George Bush has worked for the CIA as early as 1961. Uh, he was involved in the Bay of Pigs fiasco. Uh, he was, even though he couldn't remember it for 30 years, he was in Dallas on November 22nd, 1963. We learned that only when the U.S. government declassified certain documents uh, pertaining to the Kennedy assassination in the mid-1980s. Uh, and in all honesty, George Bush never had any political instincts. That's why he lost a U.S. Senate race in 1964, lost a U.S. Senate race in 1970, never successfully got elected to anything higher than the U.S. House. Uh, and he was confident that he could beat Bill Clinton based on his uh, alleged status as a war hero, although many of the people who were involved in his service unit dispute that. They think he bailed out prematurely on his colleagues, uh, only to see them plunge to their death uh, in a fighter jet. Uh, he was so certain that he, uh, an alleged war hero, could beat a known draft dodger that he elected not to uh, use any of the very real uh, opposition research that, that his people had collected on Bill Clinton, but also recognized that many in the Republican establishment wear a second hat of lobbyists. And when you're a lobbyist, uh, you have to get along with the status quo. For many Republicans, they'd be perfectly happy, for these Republicans, they would be perfectly happy to have a president, Hillary Clinton, as long as you had a Republican Senate and a Republican House. I mean, Hillary is not a liberal or a progressive. She's transactional. You can't buy her, but you can rent her for the right amount of money. The Clintons are about, the, are about greed more than anything else. Bill Clinton is the only president in American history who has been willing to lobby for foreign governments against his own government after leaving office, uh, and his, uh, his uh, net worth today is estimated of being north of $150 million. Now, uh, it's interesting because uh, you made reference to this. It is not alleged that Bill Clinton has an abandoned, rejected African-American son. It is a stone-cold fact. Danny Williams of Little Rock, Arkansas, 30 years old today, is the son, the illegitimate son of Bill Clinton 
and Bobby Ann Williams, a cocaine-addicted prostitute, who said uh, in, a, uh, in an interview uh, and who passed a lie detector test that she had been with Bill Clinton for paid assassinations on 13 occasions in the 1970s. She was uh, certain that Bill was Danny's father because Bill Clinton was the only white client she had in the year prior to Danny's birth. Uh, we also know that Bill Clinton's bodyguard, L.D. Brown, writes in his biography that Bill Clinton, as governor, instructed him to deliver Christmas presents to the little shack where Danny and his mother lived for seven years prior to Danny's teenagers, uh, teen years. Uh, we also know that when Danny's aunt, Lucille Bolton, and his mother took him to the governor's mansion, demanding that Hillary acknowledge and support Bill's son, that she turned them away. So Bill, in essence, acknowledged that Danny was his son by the sending of the Christmas presents, and it was Hillary who banished uh, Danny. I raise this because today Danny Williams has five children of his own. He works two jobs to put food on the table. Frankly, he struggles. Yet his wealthy, famous father is worth $100 million. Now, in the 1990s, actually in 1999, Howard Kurtz of the Washington Post, now of Fox News, actually wrote that a DNA test had been conducted by the Star tabloid uh, and had exonerated Bill Clinton, proving definitively that Bill was not Danny's father. What we now know is the Star magazine was owned in 1999 by Robert Altman, Georgetown classmate of Bill Clinton, deputy secretary of the Treasury in the Clinton administration, a man who had to resign from that office because he got caught informing the Clintons of the details of an impending investigation into Whitewater. Mr. Mm -hmm. Altman has given over a half million dollars to the various political endeavors of Bill and Hillary Clinton. But seemingly, Mr. Kurtz seemed to leave this out of his story. Now, I have gone to the current owners of the Star. Today, it owns, it belongs to American Media, uh, and they're based in West Palm Beach, Florida. They have graciously opened their files. There is no DNA test. There never was a DNA test. Danny Williams who can be found on Twitter, by the way, it's D-A-N-N-E-Y, Danny Williams is definitively the son of Bill Clinton. So black lives matter unless you're Danny Williams, in which case your life doesn't matter at all. Bill Clinton is a deadbeat dad. Even worse than that, Danny has five children of his own. That makes Bill Clinton a deadbeat granddad. By the way, Bill Clinton signed legislation cutting the benefits for single mothers. Right. Right. Now, another story that, that you go into some detail in the book, Roger, is the Jeffrey Epstein situation. Now, this bubbled up in the media a year or two ago, and there was one of the British royalty was somehow implicated. I don't think people really understand, to me, just what a Caligula-style situation this really is and how also it may, in fact, bubble up 
prior to November once more through the civil cases wending their way through the courts. I wonder if you could help people understand what it is, why it's so important for people to keep this on their radar if they're interested in American politics. Uh, Jeffrey Epstein is the uh, billionaire hedge fund manager and friend of Bill, major donor to the Clinton Foundation and the Clinton Global Initiative. The police in Palm Beach, Florida, determined that Epstein had uh, raped uh, at least 33 underage girls. Uh, but after a state investigation, he was charged with one count of solicitation. Uh, and he was sentenced to 15 months where he only had to go to the Palm Beach County Jail, not the state prison as every other sex offender in Florida history, but a special wing of the Palm Beach County Jail where he wouldn't have to come in contact with any other inmates and where his gourmet meals could be brought in. He only served uh, from 10 o'clock at night till six o'clock the following morning, a veritable slap on the wrist. When the police chief and the town burgers in Palm Beach, knowing the facts, objected to this light sentence, the uh, Justice Department of George W. Bush stepped in, reviewed the entire matter, rubber stamped the light penalty, and then sealed the entire case so that you and I would never know about it. It's only because the Palm Beach Post newspaper went to court in an epic three-year battle that we even know about Mr. Epstein. Now, why is this significant? Well, because Bill Clinton visited Epstein's private hedonistic island, which is in the U.S. Virgin Islands, uh, on multiple occasions. He also visited Epstein's uh, home in Palm Beach, in both cases for private parties, featuring a large number of underage girls and a handful of men. So I asked this question, what was Bill Clinton doing there? What are the odds that he didn't partake, given his history? Uh, when asked in the civil case uh, to testify about his relationship with Bill Clinton, Mr. Epstein pled the Fifth Amendment. When he was asked by one of his sex slaves, who later filed a lawsuit against him, about why Bill Clinton was visiting his island, Epstein said, well, let's just say that Bill Clinton owes me a favor. What exactly is that favor? I think we need to know. By the way, Hillary Clinton, uh, the Clintons have never returned Mr. Epstein's contributions to the Clinton Foundation. And also, the, um, as far as I understand it, if you're going to cut a plea deal, you need to run it past the victims, which wasn't done in this case. Yeah, federal law requires that you keep the victims apprised of negotiations over uh, a, uh, a settlement and a, a plea bargain, which was not done. Uh, and therefore, it is conceivable that Epstein's sentence will be overturned. Uh, on the other hand, I continue to hear that there will be a settlement of this matter. Uh, and I believe that's true because I think Epstein has enormous leverage here. He has the ability to expose the former president and destroy Hillary's campaign. Um, we do know that when uh, Epstein's butler turned over his address book to the Palm Beach police, there were 13 different phone numbers for Bill Clinton, as well as phone numbers for Hillary Clinton's right-hand henchwoman, uh, Cheryl Mills. 
And this butler, um, there's, there's two points I wanted to make. First of all, the butler got a, a heavier sentence for allegedly, you know, what he was, I guess he was convicted of uh, disturbing or taking something from a crime scene by having this uh, little black book. He got a heavier sentence than Epstein, which is, again, appalling. But also, uh, given that Epstein could not have done this all by himself, there had to be a sort of conveyor belt of people bringing these underage girls to his um, house. Normally, when you get a plea bargain, it's because you're going to turn over other people who can then be prosecuted for their participation in a crime. But that didn't even remotely happen. In fact, it seemed like lots of people were given perpetual immunity in return for what? Nothing. Yes, I think you refer specifically to Grislaine Maxwell, uh, the daughter of the uh, allegedly late press lord Robert Maxwell, who uh, was connected to the Mossad and may or may not be dead. Uh, she was given immunity in the in the uh, plea bargain, and she was subsequently invited as an honored guest to Chelsea Clinton's wedding. Now, to be very clear, because Lane Maxwell functioned as a pimp, her job was to procure the underage girls for her lover, uh, uh, Mr. Epstein, to assault. Uh, and uh, she today works for a tax-free foundation a nonprofit that is funded by the Clinton Foundation. So what is it that Ms. Maxwell knows or saw, uh, and why is she being paid for her silence? Right. Now, one thing I hadn't heard of before reading your book, uh, Roger, was Bill Clinton's history of drug use, or at least alleged drug use. And, you know, I, I'm obviously on the libertarian side of things. I'm not a fan of the war on drugs. However, uh, this information being suppressed doesn't give voters the information that they need to be able to make objective decisions. Can you run us through what evidence there is about uh, Bill Clinton's history of drug use? Yes. Uh, I myself am opposed to the uh, war of drugs, even as a, a Nixonite, someone with a tattoo of Richard Nixon on my back. I think it was one of his more egregious errors. Uh, the war on drugs has been expensive and a total failure. It is serving no one uh, other than maybe the people who run prisons. Uh, It's rehabilitating no one. It is an abysmal failure. But Bill Clinton uh, was both a habitual drug user uh, and uh, he was also involved in drug trafficking. Uh, When the Congress passed the Boland Amendment, which outlawed uh, the use of taxpayer funds to fund the Nicaraguan Contras, Vice President George Bush headed a secret task force, interagency task force, which trafficked millions of dollars of cocaine into the United States uh, to be uh, converted to cash in our inner cities to illegally fund the Contras. George Bush escaped prosecution for this only by stonewalling a federal prosecutor, refusing to be questioned and refusing to turn over any records. Oliver North, Lieutenant Colonel Oliver North, would, of course, be convicted for his role. That conviction would ultimately be overturned on a technicality. But they needed a friendly governor, someone who would take his cut and look the other way. They tried this in Texas. The governor and the state police would not go along. Actually, the Texas Rangers. They tried it in Louisiana. Again, they had trouble from the state, but they found a friendly governor. His name was William Jefferson Clinton. Uh, And his finance chairman and closest friend, Dan Lasseter, was deeply involved in the operation and I presume getting Bill Clinton's cut. 
We also, in the, in the uh, book, we cite numerous witnesses to Bill's personal cocaine use. Uh, some of those witnesses would ultimately be harassed and sent to prison uh, because what they had seen. There's actually evidence that Bill Clinton overdosed on at least one occasion on cocaine and was rushed to a state hospital where Hillary Clinton personally threatened the doctors and nurses that they would have no future uh, if this leaked. So if one sees Bill Clinton today, he doesn't look good. He looks terrible. He's also, in my opinion, non-compass mentis. He's slipping badly. Uh, he rarely makes sense. He talks in circles. There's no logical order to his speeches. It's actually quite sad. So uh, I can't tell whether he is uh, HIV positive. We know uh, from numerous women who are interviewed in the book that he refused to use a condom. And Bill Clinton has literally been with thousands of women, consensually and unconsensually, or whether uh, his current debilitated state is based on his long-term drug use. Either one of those, to me, seems to be a possibility. But uh, if you wanted to bet on his living between now and the election, I would take that bet. The man looks very <laughs> ill to me, uh, and frankly, I, I wish him the best. And there is something that, that I thought of while, while reading your book, which was I've always sort of had this impression that Bill Clinton has a very smart brain in a white trash body. That's sort of always been my impression of the guy. And there may be some biology behind this insofar as the man who's claimed to be his biological father, well, there seems to be significant rumors that he's not. Yeah, I, first of all, I, his father is not Billy Blythe, which is what he claims in his biography. Uh, his father is Dr. George Wright. There's two reasons why this is significant. Dr. Wright has, I believe, three sons. Of course, if the DNA of any one his, of his sons matched the DNA of Danny Williams, it would prove definitively that Bill was uh, Danny's father. Now, is that convoluted? No, not really. That is precisely the technology that was used to prove that Thomas Jefferson fathered a child with the slave Sally Hemings, because, of course, Jefferson's DNA sample is unavailable to us today. So uh, I believe Dr. George Wright is uh, Bill Clinton's real father. Clinton can't even tell the truth about that. Uh, as you know, famously, President Gerald Ford said that Bill Clinton was a sex addict and he needed psychological help. Um, he is obviously a risk taker uh, who is prepared to have oral sex with an intern uh, uh, a third of his age uh, while serving as president of the United States talking about risking everything uh, for seemingly nothing. Uh, and despite the fact that that sex was consensual, it didn't stop Hillary from doing everything possible to destroy Monica Lewinsky. She's a stalker. She's a looney tune. She's a nutcase. It's her fault that she was seduced and used by Bill Clinton as his personal humidor. Uh, these people uh, are, cannot be shamed. Now, Ross Perot, uh, again, from my sort of uh, younger listeners, he was sort of the slightly less alpha Trump of his day. Uh, Ross Perot uh, was, of course, uh, trying to get a hold of a bunch of uh, voters who wanted smaller government and, and a reduction of the deficit and the debt and so on. 
And he was portrayed as this kind of uh, jug-eared, minuscule Looney Tune, uh, but um, he seems to have had some genuine reason to be concerned, uh, as you point out in the book, that um, uh, if uh, if um, Perot had gotten into office, uh, that uh, Bush at the time felt that he may have uh, been prosecuted, uh, Bush may have been prosecuted for uh, drug crimes, and there were some threats against uh, Perot's life. Yeah, to put this in context for people unfamiliar with the history, Ross Perot was a tech, is, I still believe he's living, uh, a, te- a Texas-based multimillionaire uh, who ran for president as an independent in both 1992 and 1996. We keep hearing about why Bill Clinton is such a gifted politician, but in truth, he never achieved 50% in any presidential election. He was always elected with a uh, with a scant plurality in a three-way race, with Perot draining a disproportionate number of the votes from the Republicans. Uh, now, we know in retrospect that in 1992, uh, Perot was actually in league with Bill Clinton, speaking to him daily, and was intent on the defeat of Bush. The reason for this is Perot became obsessed uh, with the question of prisoners of war from the Vietnam War. He believed that there were still prisoners of war held in Asia. He believed that John McCain uh, and uh, others, John Kerry, had suppressed this information. They had gotten out, but slammed the doors on their brothers left behind. Uh, And when he couldn't get satisfaction from the Reagan administration, Perot went out and employed uh, his own intelligence agents, his own soldiers of fortune, including James Bo Gritz, or Greitz, depending on how you pronounce it, um, who came back after conducting the extensive investigation and reported to Ross Perot, well, we didn't find POWs, but what we did find was that the Central Intelligence Agency is deeply involved in trafficking cocaine, pardon me, heroin, uh, in Asia. Ross Perot rushed to Washington, made an appointment to see his fellow Texan, Vice President George Bush, to report what he had startlingly startlingly found. The response uh, from Bush, according to Perot's personal attorney, Tom Luce, was a grim smile. From that moment, Ross Perot knew that George Bush knew about the drug trafficking by the U.S. government. And it was from that time Perot became intent on removing George Bush from office which of course he successfully did. Perot would drop out of that race after numerous death threats. According to his lawyer, Tom Luce, Perot was beginning to carry a gun everywhere he went. And even when, uh, when strolling the grounds of his own ranch in Texas, would carry an AK-47 for his defense. He became certain that the, that the Bushes would have him killed. He would ultimately, ultimately jump back in that race just in time to deprive George Bush of the presidency. Right. 1992, that was. Now, the Republican Party as a whole, I mean, you've obviously been a keen and involved observer of American politics for 40-odd years. I first, you know, Barry Goldwater, you know, was sort of my introduction to the Republican Party. And, you know, a more libertarian candidate, I would argue, has probably never been put forward under the GOP's uh, umbrella. But as time has gone forward, it seems to me that the Republican Party has sort of shed 
all but the pretense of being a dedicated to small government, personal liberties, um, and uh, lower taxes, and so on. And what happened, if, if that assessment is relatively accurate, what on earth has happened to the Republican Party where even the language they use seems to be moving left of center, and their actions certainly have been left of center for many decades, in my opinion? Yes, yeah, sadly, I, I too have a great sentimental attachment to the Republican Party of Barry Goldwater. That's what attracted me to politics. Prior to that, I wanted to be an actor. Then I found out that politics was just show business for ugly people. Uh, in any event, uh, you know, Goldwater was the standard for me. Small government, uh, fiscal responsibility, a strong national defense, but not an interventionist foreign policy where we go around the globe looking for trouble, uh, sticking our nose where it doesn't belong, uh, uh, individual freedom, uh, personal liberty to uh, to uh, 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 both in the bedroom and in the boardroom, business uh, 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 becoming uh, uh, paramount, uh, personal privacy rights. This is my kind of Republican Party. But very sadly, the Republican Party today is synonymous with the Democratic Party today. Both parties stand for the exact same thing. Both parties are controlled by Wall Street. Both parties support endless war, erosion of our civil liberties, massive debt and spending, uh, bailouts for the big banks, but high taxes on working folks, uh, an interventionist uh, uh, foreign policy uh, in which our foreign policy seems to have no coherence or reason. We invariably end up facing people with guns that we have either sold them or given them. So uh, very sadly, the Republican Party of Barry Goldwater is dead. Uh, you see today the Republican establishment in full revolt against the candidacy of Donald Trump. Now, I don't hold that Trump is a pure conservative, nor do I hold that he is a pure libertarian, although he has some libertarian instincts, uh, but he is not controlled by Wall Street. He is a nationalist in a field of globalists. He believes in American sovereignty. He's the only candidate for president who does. If you have a few minutes, be sure to read that monograph that Heidi Cruz wrote about why the governments of Canada, the United States, and Mexico should be joined into one governmental unit. Boy, that Ted Cruz, he sure is a constitutionalist conservative, isn't he? So uh, it is, uh, it is uh, pathetic what has happened to the Republican Party today. And the establishment is intent uh, on nominating a globalist someone who is uh, awash in Wall Street contributions. Uh, and this is why the, the irrational fear of Donald Trump. Uh, he can't be controlled. He doesn't need anybody's money. He's not taking millions of dollars of special interest campaign contributions. Uh, and he can't be bullied. Uh, and the, the, uh, the ruling class in Washington, D.C., uh, and Wall Street and K Street, they are literally pissing their pants over the idea of a president who can't be controlled. And the lobbyists, they're really in a pickle because you can't peddle influence if you have no influence to peddle. And that's their real fear about Donald Trump. And it, to me, it just shows, Roger, how distorted the American political system has become when someone who is a populist candidate who appeals to the voters is set upon by those on the left who want to import third world immigrants as a voting bloc and those on the right uh, who want uh, influence over the government and also cheap labor. 
the idea that somebody's actually out there speaking to the concerns of the American people for who for decades have begged for relief from third world immigration and have begged for uh, policies that help keep manufacturing and other lower middle class and middle class jobs at home. Somebody's coming along and is actually talking uh, about the concerns that the American public has. And he's set upon like he's the second coming of Satan. Yeah, we've actually seen this movie before. This is precisely what happened to my hero, Barry Goldwater. Uh, he's a racist. He's a bigot. He's a nutcase. He's mentally unbalanced. Uh, he's going to start a nuclear war. Of course, none of those things were true. Uh, when uh, Goldwater and his wife took a European vacation prior to the Republican convention, because he knew he was going into a grueling campaign, CBS News reported falsely that he met secretly with neo-Nazi elements in Germany, totally without foundation. Daniel Shore. Uh, was the was the non-reporter who uh, reported that story. So we see history repeating itself. Uh, the, the left is frantic to discredit Trump. And here's why. Many of the Bernie Sanders voters, not his hard left voters, not the not the old time communists, but his economic voters, his blue collar voters who realize that between NAFTA and TPP, they're going to be left behind. That, that, that NAFTA and these globalist international trade deals have destroyed the American economy and the American job market. What the left fears it does, is that those voters will drift to a Donald Trump. Because when it comes to trade, his message is very similar to that of Bernie Sanders. So that is why George Soros uh, and his stooge David Brock uh, and others have infiltrated the Trump rallies with people wearing Bernie T-shirts who are not Bernie supporters. They are ringers in a faux demonstration uh, to foment violence in an attempt to brand Donald Trump as a bigot or a racist, uh, to scare away those economic voters who currently are, are voting for Bernie Sanders, but once he is vanquished, could very well end up voting for Donald Trump. That is their goal, and it's right out there for people to see. And it is, uh, of course, in all seriousness, a very, very alarming situation and brings to my mind at least not only late Roman Empire decadence, but the clashes between the National Socialists and the Communists uh, in um, in the Weimar Republic leading up to uh, Hitler. And uh, that, of course, that level of, of social discord, you know, people say, well, Donald Trump is, is causing all of this conflict. And to me, the conflict has been buried under appeasement and compliance and the bribery of the welfare state and the fact that the money seems to be running out for uh, the U.S. government as a whole, these fissures which have been in American politics for many decades but wallpapered over by the media and covered up at the endless bribery of fiat currency, there are conflicts of interest between the people who are making money and the people who are relying on government, both rich, middle class and poor, to take that money in subsidies uh, and, and welfare in the military-industrial complex. There is a genuine conflict. Uh, and the fact that it's coming to the forefront now, uh, it seems to me that the crack is there and Donald Trump is just coming up through it. To blame Donald Trump for that crack seems to me um, entirely unjust. Yeah, I mean, look, blaming uh, Bernie Sanders for the demonstrations at Trump's rally is like blaming the communists for the Reichstag fire. Uh, it's completely bogus. This whole operation is funded by George Soros. We have found evidence of uh, Craigslist ads in Chicago hiring demonstrators at $16 an hour, supplying them with Bernie Sanders T-shirts, 
By the way, you got a premium if you're unshaven uh, in that ad, which I thought was kind of interesting. You'd be in. Yeah, so, I'm in, man. So, uh, no, I think you put your finger on it. Uh, Trump uh, really threatens the established order. Uh, and he has hit on a few hot button issues here that have fueled his campaign in a way that, candidly, I could never have foreseen. Let's put it another way. He has run an entirely communications-based campaign. It really consists of his going to the individual primary states, holding these high-profile mega rallies, having enormous turnout, but the media has broadcast those speeches wall-to-wall. He has spent no money on polling, no money on analytics, no money on targeting, virtually no money on television commercials, no money on radio commercials to speak of, no money on digital advertising, no money on uh, a top-heavy campaign staff. The whole thing has been media-based. And by the way, Donald Trump himself is the guy who thought up that strategy uh, and who has overseen its execution. Now we're getting into a phase of the campaign, however, where there's a premium on organization and structure. We're down to a handful of contests where the Republican establishment and the kingmakers seek to steal this nomination from Donald Trump. Uh, They're trying to steal it in two different ways. It is interesting to me that in every primary or caucus where Ted Cruz won, we have certified, proven, sworn evidence of massive voter fraud, which will later be presented to the Credentials Committee in Cleveland in an attempt to unseat delegates who were illegally elected. Uh, But we also have uh, the phenomena of the Trojan horse delegates, where uh, Trump has won a primary, let's take Texas, for example, or he's won a share of the votes in a primary. Trump got 40% of the vote in Texas. He's entitled to 40% of the delegates. Uh, There's 100 delegates from Texas. That's 40 delegates. Uh, And they are uh, pledged by party rules to vote for Trump on the first ballot. But the actual people in those delegate seats will be anti-Trump party hacks who will vote against Trump on procedural matters such as the seating of delegates or the rules under which this convention will be conducted. Uh, You may have seen recently that although Trump handily won the Louisiana primary, the party mechanism sat non-Trump delegates in those seats. Trump initially threatened to sue, only to learn that the Republican National Convention is not governed by state or federal law. It's governed only by its own rules. The court has no jurisdiction in party matters. Only the, the convention temporary rules committee and the full convention itself in a voter ratification um, can determine who will and will not be allowed to vote uh, in Cleveland. So I have warned the public, I have warned Trump supporters of what I believe is the big steal. One of two things will happen here, Stefan. Either Trump will have 1,237 votes, in which case the party will try to throw out some of those delegates in a naked attempt to steal this from Donald Trump, or he will be just short uh, of uh, 1,237, in which case many of his own delegates or I should say people in his delegate seats, will abandon him on the second ballot. So uh, the the fix is in. 
if Trump does not run the table on the rest of the primaries and the caucuses, we're looking at a very, very narrow path in which the kingmakers go all out to cheat, to steal, and to uh, and to snatch this nomination from the candidate who was overwhelmingly selected by the voters, which is why I have urged Trump supporters, come to Cleveland, march on Cleveland, join us in the Forest City. We're going to have protests, demonstrations. We will disclose the hotels and the room numbers of those delegates who are directly involved in the steal. If you're from Pennsylvania, we'll tell you who the culprits are. We urge you to visit their hotel and find them. You have a right to discuss this if you voted in the Pennsylvania primary, for example, and your votes are being disallowed. And it's hard for a lot of people to understand why the Republican Party would con- would commit particide in this way, because it seems to me that that would be the entire end of a significant portion of grassroots support or any faith in the Republican Party should they uh, shaft Donald Trump out of a legitimately earned nomination process. Uh, but I think for these people, uh, they, they their careers are over if Donald Trump gets in. I mean, just a tiny example is the polling companies. You know, if Donald Trump doesn't use polls uh, and Ted Cruz does, then the polling companies want Ted Cruz to get into power so they can keep getting contracts. It's it's literally the difference between survival and non-survival for a lot of these individuals and entities. Well, what's really most amazing about this uh, in the rise of Trump, which I believe is a repudiation of 30 years of bipartisan bad decisions, because the policies of the Bush administration are identical to the Clinton administration, which are identical to the Bush administration, which are identical to the Obama administration. Party doesn't matter. All of the policies are essentially identical. And I've enumerated them already. Uh, They have left us fiscal policies that left us broke, immigration policies that leave our streets unsafe, trade policies that leave us at a multi-billion dollar disadvantage, and a foreign policy in which we spent a fortune, which we had to borrow, uh, but we have nothing to show for it. Uh, It's a repudiation of all of that. But what's even more amazing is the fact that Donald Trump is completely unscripted. He's uncoached. He's unprogrammed. He speaks from the heart, not from polling or focus groups or a speech written by some 25-year-old speechwriter. Only Trump puts words in Trump's mouth. And voters are finding it refreshing, interesting. Uh, And as Richard Nixon once told me, The only thing in politics worse than being wrong is being boring. Donald Trump (laughs) is never boring. He's never boring. Now, just in the last few minutes that we have, Roger, um, looking forward, you know, the FBI is sort of circling Hillary Clinton on on two issues, of course, the security issues, to put it mildly, with her homebrewed server and, of course, the potential corruption possibilities uh, in the Clinton Foundation. How do you think that's going to play out this summer? And and wouldn't it also be Hillary Clinton's worst nightmare, even if she survives this process, to have Donald Trump facing her, who in no way is implicated in any of her past actions and can go at her full broadsides without any fear of blowback? Well, uh, it's very interesting. I believe that, first of all, on the question of the misuse of top classified documents, top secret documents, this doesn't even require criminal intent. Criminal negligence is sufficient there's an overwhelming preponderance of evidence. What she has done is far more egregious than, say, 
General David Petraeus, uh, who had his career ruined over the fact that uh, he showed top secret documents to his mistress, by the way, which her- which were kept in his house, guarded by Secret Service and never available to the, the world or the Internet as a whole. Sorry. <laughs> by the way, her book is out now. It's called All In, which is kind of interesting. Uh, but uh, it is uh, it is incredible uh, that ultimately I think what will happen here is that the FBI director will recommend her prosecution. Uh, and then I'm convinced that Barack Obama will give her a full, free and unconditional pardon even before the Justice Department can act. Now, whether that is a pardon in return for dropping from the presidential race, in which case Uncle Joe Biden can step in, or whether it is a pardon uh, to try to cleanse her uh, for a presidential race, which would be an extraordinary burden to carry into the fall election, that remains to be seen. But I am convinced that there's a Mexican standoff here. Barack Obama can't prosecute Hillary Clinton because if he does, she will divulge the role of Valerie Jarrett in the Benghazi fiasco. And we'll find out exactly where Barack Obama was when the order to stand down and try to save those valiant Americans who died uh, was given. Right. And um, with regards to any possible pardoning, uh, would this not cause a fairly big revolt in the FBI? Because if uh, if they can't prosecute someone this egregious, don't they kind of not have a job to go to the next day? Well, I think there's a difference. Uh, uh, the FBI director is a professional lawman. And by uh, some of the prosecutors I know that know him, they tell me that he's a straight arrow, a man of enormous integrity. I think that he would resign if he recommends an indictment and the Justice Department does not indict her. But the pardon would be entirely legal. Uh, it may be political, uh, politically unpalatable, but I don't think the FBI director can or would resign over a pardon. The president mm. does have this authority. It would be a political outrage, but it would not be, as in the case of Richard Nixon, it would not be illegal. Okay, but what if they find some significant... Um conflict of interest with regards to the Clinton Foundation, uh, some of the uranium sales to Russia, and all of the other stuff that's been floating around the Clinton Foundation for years. I mean, two pardons in a row might might be stretching credibility just a little. There'll, there'll be only be one pardon. It will be for any crimes that she may have committed. That, by the way, would be identical to the pardon that Ford gave Nixon. Nixon got a blanket pardon for any crimes he may have committed. Uh, and uh, that was tested in the courts in that challenge went nowhere. So um, he clearly has this ability. I actually think what's most interesting here is the fact that Donald Trump has given $100,000 to the Clinton Foundation. Now, he thought he was giving to a charity. He didn't know they were going to steal the money. But that gives him standing to file suit in the federal courts alleging fraud, which would open up the Clinton Foundation for inspection in a way that the IRS has not done. Uh, If you read the terrific book uh, by Peter Schweitzer, Clinton Cash, which is a great book, that book is already dated. There's substantially more crimes uh, and more fraud in the state and federal filings of the Clinton Foundation since that book went to bed. Uh, Yet today, the IRS still has no open investigation, despite a myriad of detailed complaints 
nor does any state attorney general, attorney generals generally uh, regulate charities, no attorney general has opened an investigation. Uh, this is the same IRS that is currently auditing Donald Trump's personal taxes. So one has to wonder about whether we have not only the most political justice department in American history, but also the most political IRS. So let's let's close off. Appreciate that. Let's let's close off, Roger, with what you want to say to Donald Trump supporters. This is going to go out to hundreds of thousands or millions of people over time. What is the message that you want to get across to Donald Trump supporters at the moment who may be, you know, getting a little tired of the fight or assuming that victory is is already there? Uh, what is it that you want to rouse them with? Uh, this contest is far from over. Trump can win the nomination, and he is the strongest candidate against Hillary Clinton because he will go places no other Republican will go. Jeb Bush, Chris Christie, Marco Rubio, and John Kasich have already said Bill's sexual history is off limits. It's irrelevant. But it's not irrelevant because of Hillary's role in bullying and intimidating Bill's victims. Donald Trump will have no fear of going there. He'll have no fear of exploiting um, her policy failures in Libya, which have set women back 200 years. He will have no fear of going after the pay-for-play culture at the Clinton Foundation. My message for Trump supporters is really clear. Come to Cleveland. We need you in Cleveland. What happens outside the hall will be as important as what happens inside the hall. Show the Republican Party kingmakers that we're not going to stand for the stealing of democracy and the votes of the people really count. All right. Well, thanks again, Roger. I just wanted to remind people of the man who killed Kennedy, the case against LBJ. Fascinating read. The Clinton's war on women. Shocking. Uh, have some scotch nearby. And Jeb and the Bush crime family, the inside story of an American dynasty. A real pleasure to chat with you. Please check out rogerstone.com and stonezone.com. I hope we can chat again. Uh, and uh, thanks again for your time today. I look forward to it. Many thanks.